Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In the last four days, I've put out my running back, wide receiver, quarterback, and tight end rankings. And so today it's time for me to go over my top 30 overall player rankings. And I'm just going to go through each player briefly, you know, talk about them a little bit because I've talked about basically every player here in my other rankings videos. So this one's probably going to be a little bit shorter. If you guys are watching this video and find yourself enjoying the content, all I ask is that you guys leave a like and subscribe to the channel. It really helps support me. And then also let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. Who do you guys think should be higher, lower, or who do you think is ranked just right? And I'll make sure to get back to you as soon as I can. But let's get into it. And I'm going to start it off with Miles Sanders at my number 30 spot. He just missed my top 18 running backs. And so you can see this top 30 is going to be pretty running back heavy. 19 of the 30 players are going to be running backs. And that's just because I really like to get running backs early and often. I think they're really solid cornerstones to your team and really just carry you throughout the season. If you're weak at the running back position, it's going to be pretty tough to you know stay relevant throughout the entire year. So Miles Sanders here at 30, he has a lot of upside this year. We saw at the end of his rookie year, he was really balling out. I really think overall he's a solid running back. He's good in the receiving game. Struggled a little bit last year, which was weird to see, but I think he does have the skill, and obviously he can do it on the ground. He showed flashes last year. He had some long runs. But, you know, it just didn't all come together. The Eagles weren't really using him at the goal line. He dealt with some injuries. So that was a pretty rough season for him, especially because in most drafts, he was being picked as a high-end second-round pick. So he really did not live up to his value at all. But going into 2021, I mean, there's a pretty wide range of outcomes for him. I mean, this offense could come in and thrive right away with Jalen Hurts, establish a solid rushing game, and Miles Sanders could operate as the workhorse. And in that case, he probably has high-end RB2 upside, even maybe low-end RB1 upside. But on the other hand, the offense could struggle. They could continue to use a running back committee. They've been bringing in all these guys in free agency. Kenny Gainwell in the draft, who's a great pass catcher. And so you definitely don't want Miles Sanders to lose that third down work. You know, I do think overall Kenny Gainwell is probably the better receiving back, but we just don't really know how all these guys are going to be used Jordan Howard, is he going to be the goal line guy? A lot up in the air, so we just don't know yet. Miles Sanders does have a pretty solid ceiling, but there are a lot of concerns with him, which is why I have him here at number 30. Next up at number 29, I have George Kittle, my tight end three. I talked about him yesterday in my tight end rankings video. He's definitely in that tier one tight end group with him, Waller, and Kelsey, but I do think he's the third. He's going to be competing for targets with Ayuk and Debo. The quarterback situation in San Francisco is not ideal. You know, Jimmy G is not going to go out there and throw it for 300 yards every game. And then if Trey Lance comes in, I think that's arguably worse for Kittle, you know, because Trey Lance has a lot more rushing upside, so he may be passing less. And then also, it's what makes George Kittle such a great overall NFL tight end, but it really hurts him for fantasy, and that is how good of a blocker he is. Because some games, they just basically designate him as a blocker. You know, he's not going to run as many routes as a guy like Waller or Kelsey would. And it's just because he's so valuable blocking. And so that does happen some games. We saw it last year with Rob Gronkowski. You know, there'd be some games he'd be running a ton of routes, get eight targets, you know, a lot of opportunities. 
And then other games, they would just stick him on the line, and he was just blocking that day. So I think to a lesser extent, that also happens with Kittle. And so that's just why I have him as my tight end three. Now I've got J.K. Dobbins at number 28. Last year, he showed an insane amount of efficiency and touchdown upside. And so that really is the question of whether or not he's going to be able to continue that. I mean, if he goes out and scores, you know, 13, 14 touchdowns, he's going to be set up pretty well, but he really does need those touchdowns to perform on a week-to-week basis because he's likely not going to be very involved in the passing game. So he's a little bit of a riskier RB2 here, but he definitely has a solid upside because this Ravens offense has shown that the RBs can be very efficient just the way that offense works. We've seen it with Mark Ingram, and so hopefully J.K. Dobbins can keep that rolling. At 27, I have D.K. Metcalf. He's going to be attached to Russell Wilson, which is obviously great news if you're a receiver. Even if the Seattle offense is going to throw the ball a little less, D.K. Metcalf is still going to get a wide receiver one workload. He's going to get enough receptions, enough yards, and enough touchdowns where if he stays healthy, he's basically locked in to finish as a wide receiver one. Next up at number 26, I have the second tight end I'm talking about, Darren Waller, just the clear number one target on this Raiders offense. And that's really where he gains a lot of value from. You know, if the Raiders went out and acquired another top tier wide receiver, I think the argument between Waller and Kittle, you know, is going to be much closer because they're in more similar situations. But, you know, I don't think it's that close right now. Just because Waller is going to get such a huge target share, you know it's basically a lock that there's going to be a pretty significant difference in target share between Waller and Kittle. And so that's why I just have him a couple spots ahead of Kittle and have him as a borderline second round selection. At 25, I have Chris Carson, and I think I'm definitely higher on him than consensus. When I'm looking at the Seahawks offense, they've talked about how they want to go more run heavy and then they go out and re-sign Chris Carson. They could have let him walk and gone, you know, with some cheaper options in free agency and operated with a committee. But I think them giving Carson a pretty solid contract shows me that they want to continue using him as the workhorse. And he also showed some improvement in the receiving game last year. So I think honestly, we could see his best season in 2021. And I think he's a pretty safe RB2 that you're probably going to be able to get, you know, end of the third round, maybe even start of the fourth round in some drafts. Najee Harris is up next at number 24, and he's likely going to be in store for a huge amount of touches. He's going to have a lot of opportunities. We've really only been hearing good things about him in training camp. You know, like he's at the facility so long that the RB coach is like, man, you got to go. I've got to go home. So you obviously love to hear all of that. My concern with Najee Harris is that even though he is going to have all those opportunities, I think they're likely to be pretty inefficient opportunities because this offensive line is just not good at run blocking. But even if they are inefficient touches, that still gives him a pretty solid floor because there are guys who can be volume backs. You know, they're not going to be anywhere near as efficient as a guy like J.K. Dobbins, but they're going to touch the ball much more than him. And so that's where Najee Harris is going to have his value. And so I do think he has a decent floor, you know, just from those overall touches. At number 23, I have another running back in DeAndre Swift. And am I 100% comfortable in the situation he's in right now with the Lions? You know, not entirely, but I just think he has to receive enough of a workload for him to finish as an RB2 because he was a borderline RB2 last year without being involved really at all until the end of the year. You know, he was getting involved in the receiving game and getting some carries, 
but they really just weren't using him as a workhorse until the end of the year. He also dealt with that like really bad concussion, and so he had some things holding him back, but even in his super limited touches, I mean, the man was still a beast. I think right now, he's probably a top 10 receiving back in the NFL, and he also showed that he was very effective on the ground. And this Lions team overall is just in need of guys who can make big plays, and DeAndre Swift is one of those guys, so I just think he needs to get that big workload. Even if Jamal Williams is in that backfield, he's still going to get enough work to be a fantasy-relevant RB2 on a week-to-week basis. Keenan Allen is up next at number 22, and I'm a big fan of Keenan Allen this year. I love how he's now attached to Justin Herbert. I think that's perfect for him. He's going to get so much volume this year. He is the clear number one target on that team. I think it's going to be him and Austin Eckler just feasting in the receiving game. So I really like him here as a mid-tier wide receiver one, and I think you're going to be able to get him in a lot of third rounds. So if I can start off my draft running back, running back, and then pick up Keenan Allen as my wide receiver one. I will take that start every day of the week. So Keenan Allen is a guy I love here at number 22. Justin Jefferson is up next here at number 21. I think if you look at this offense, he is going to be the clear number one weapon. He had one of the best rookie wide receiver seasons of all time, and I don't really see any reason why he's going to regress from that. So just another year of NFL experience claiming more and more of that alpha role in that offense. I think he's set up to have another top season and is set up perfectly to finish as a high-end wide receiver one. We have another receiver following him at number 20, and it's going to be Calvin Ridley. He's definitely moved up my rankings since the Julio Jones trade, and I think there are some pretty clear positives and negatives for Calvin Ridley. On the positive side, he is now the alpha in that offense. They're going to be running stuff through him, And he's also probably likely to see some more targets now that Julio's gone. And he also has that big playability. So combining those deep targets with more volume in general is definitely going to help him out. But I do think he's going to lose out on some touchdown opportunities. Overall, this Falcons offense is just going to be nowhere near as good as it was when Julio was there. So we may have less opportunities to get into the end zone. But I think all the other pros definitely outweigh, you know, that lack of touchdown opportunity. Now I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire at number 19, a guy that I really expect to have a bounce back year in 2021. He was obviously a disappointment in 2020. Everyone knows it but this is his time to bounce back. I think they're going to give him the opportunity to be the workhorse in that backfield. He's a solid receiving back and was really playing well before they brought in, you know, Le'Veon Bella's competition and started using that kind of split backfield, which obviously isn't going to produce an RB1. But if he's able to operate as the alpha this year, he's going to get a ton of carries on an explosive offense and his touchdowns just have to go up just based on how unlucky he was in that department last year. And so Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a guy that I'm definitely confident in selecting as my RB2. And you may actually be able to get him at a little bit of a discount just because of how badly he burned everyone last year. Moving on to number 18, I have DeAndre Hopkins, who's going into his second year with the Cardinals. And I really think things are only going to get better for him. He put together a solid wide receiver one season last year. And that was in his first year, you know, with Kyler. And he really didn't have many complimentary weapons around him to take the pressure off. So now you have Kyler Murray going into his third year in the NFL after he already balled out in year two. And then you bring in A.J. Green and Rondell Moore, which, you know, I'm not worried about guys challenging DeAndre Hopkins to be the number one receiver. He's the clear alpha. 
I like that those guys are brought in because you're going to have to focus on them just a little bit more. DeAndre Hopkins is still going to be the number one focus, but you still have to watch those guys. And so I just think that's going to open some more things up for Hopkins and he's going to be able to improve on what he did in 2020. Antonio Gibson is up next at 17 and he showed last year that he could perform at an RB2 level with Alex Smith under center which means a very unexplosive offense. You know, obviously not an ideal situation for him, but this year we have Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. This offense is going to be much better in my opinion. And so he's going to get much more touchdown opportunities. And even though he had some limited opportunities in 2020, he definitely made the most of them, was super effective at getting into the end zone. So I just expect all his numbers to jump up this year with a better offense, another year of NFL experience, And he does have receiving ability. And so even if the Washington football team isn't going to use it because they have JD McKissick, I think it is just solid knowing he has it. And even if he doesn't get super involved in the receiving game, I'm still very confident in him as a high-end RB2 and really a borderline RB1. Now I've got Devontae Adams at number 16. And really there's not a ton to talk about here until we figure out what happens with Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, Devontae Adams locked in mid-first round pick, easy wide receiver one for sure. But if not, I think he probably drops from this slot. So this is really just like an intermediate ranking until we really see what's going to happen with him. Then we have Cam Akers at number 15. We saw once he got healthy and became acclimated to this offense, they plugged him in as the workhorse in those last four games of the season and then the two playoff games. And so I expect that to carry over into 2021 and he could truly break out as a mid-tier RB1, if he's getting all those touches. I mean, he was getting 20 plus carries a game to end the season. And so with that workload on an offense that's likely to be improved, now that you have Matthew Stafford coming in, Cam Akers definitely has a very high ceiling. At number 14, I have Joe Mixon, which is probably gonna be controversial for some people. I know some people really like him this year and other people are just fading him. And if you do just straight up fade him, I mean, I understand it. He definitely disappointed in 2019, even though he finished as an RB1 in total points. I like to look at points per game and he was a lower end RB2. So he was definitely a bust in 2019. Then in 2020, if you picked him early, he dealt with injuries. And so, you know, you didn't have him for your playoff push and your championship. And so I understand if, you know, you feel too burned by him, but I'm going back to the well this year. Everything has gone in his favor this offseason better O-line, no more Giovanni Bernard. The offense as a whole improved. The passing offense is going to be better, which should take pressure off of him in the run game. And so I will happily capitalize on some people's dislike of Joe Mixon and will likely be drafting a lot of him this year, especially if I can get him, you know, mid to late second round. I think that is great value. Stefan Diggs is up next here at number 13. And there's really nothing bad to say about Stefan Diggs. I expect him to do similar things from last year. He's going to get a ton of targets, clear number one on this Bills offense. And the Bills are super pass focused. They really do not have a ton of interest in running the ball. And so you have a top tier NFL wide receiver connected to Josh Allen, who put up an MVP caliber performance last year. It's really going to be all good things for Stefan Diggs, which is why I have him here at my wide receiver two and a borderline first round pick. I just think he's very safe. He scores touchdowns, but I think first he's a volume receiver, which gives you a really nice floor since he led the NFL in targets and receiving yards. So I like him here at number 13. 
At number 12, I have Aaron Jones, and really the same thing with Devontae Adams. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, he slots right into my number five slot. With A-Rod on the field, he's going to be so efficient, super involved in the receiving game, and have a lot of touchdown upside. But if Rodgers is not there, he's definitely going to have to drop just because I think he loses that efficiency. He also loses a lot of that touchdown upside. And I have no concerns with A.J. Dillon, you know, taking carries from him if Rodgers is back. But if Rodgers is not back, then I am concerned because I don't want to have guys splitting carries on an inefficient offense. Tyreek Hill comes in at number 11, which is my number one wide receiver spot. With Devontae Adams' situation being unclear, Tyreek Hill is locked in as my wide receiver one. He's attached to Patrick Mahomes. He's one of the most explosive players in the NFL. He's going to win you weeks just by himself with his big play games, but he also established a really nice floor last year, which is why I feel confident having him as my wide receiver one. His teammate is going to follow him in these rankings, and it's Travis Kelsey, who's going to be my number 10 guy. Number one tight end easily. He provides an insane positional advantage, and that's why I have him ahead of Tyreek Hill, because even though they're both number ones at their position, the difference between Tyreek Hill, you know, and a lower end wide receiver one would be like the difference between Tyreek Hill and Allen Robinson compared to the difference between Travis Kelsey and, you know, a lower end tight end one. That's like Travis Kelsey to Noah Fant. So just a huge difference. And so that's why Travis Kelsey is receiving a lot of first round buzz, which you normally wouldn't see at the tight end position. And it's because he produces as a wide receiver one, but he has that tight end designation, which just makes him all that more valuable. Now, moving on to number nine, I have Nick Chubb from the Cleveland Browns. I think he's one of the safest running backs that you can find. If he stays healthy, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. He's going to get a ton of work on the ground, a ton of touchdowns, and he doesn't have that receiving upside, but he honestly doesn't really need it with how efficient he is running the ball. And so Nick Chubb is a locked in RB1 for me this year. Now at number eight, I have Austin Eckler, and it seems like Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler are always back-to-back. They're back-to-back in my rankings. They're also back-to-back in drafts a lot of times, but I really like both of them. So with Austin Eckler here at number eight, he has such a high receiving upside. We saw it in 2019. 2020, he dealt with injuries, which definitely limited his season. But in 2019, the guy was a top tier RB1. He played so well, and that was with him competing for touches with Melvin Gordon for most of the season. So if the Chargers just go out and give him the workhorse role, he would be set up to wildly outperform this ADP. And that's pretty impressive since I have him here as running back eight. But what I like about Eckler is that even though he does have that super high ceiling, Even if they don't 100% commit to him as the workhorse, you know, they don't give him 60% of the carries or they don't give him that goal line work, he still is very safe because you know he's locked in for that receiving role and it's going to be a big one. I mean, Herbert was targeting him like eight plus times a game when he was on the field. So Austin Eckler is definitely one of my favorite early round targets this year. Next up at number seven, I have Jonathan Taylor from the Colts and I'm just expecting him to step in as the workhorse of this Colts offense and just absolutely feast, even if he's going to regress in the receiving game, which I think is likely because you're going from Rivers to Wentz and you still have Naheem Hines there as the receiving back. But I don't even think he needs a ton of receiving yards and targets to put up a high-end RB1 season. I don't think he's at the Derrick Henry level you know, of performing without targets, but I think he could put up a season similar to Nick Chubb 
but I just really think he could out-touch Nick Chubb because he doesn't have a guy like Kareem Hunt behind him. And you know, I'm still super comfortable with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt being back there, but I think for Jonathan Taylor, it just moves him up a couple spots ahead of Chubb because he really doesn't have that guy behind him stealing those carries from him. On to number six, I have Saquon Barkley. And I just really don't know how I'm feeling about Saquon Barkley. He's a guy where if I'm here at number six and he's on the board, I just don't think I feel super confident picking him, but it's hard for me to move him back right now. He's super talented. I mean, he could easily finish as the RB1, you know, if he stays healthy and puts everything together. He definitely has the talent for that, but I just do not like what I'm hearing right now. First off, the Giants' offensive line is still not good, and we saw him in week one where he tore his ACL. I mean, there was nothing going on on the ground for him. He was struggling to get anywhere just because that old line was so bad, and now we're hearing, you know, that he's going to be on limited touches the first month of the season, and that's not something I want to be hearing about in June. And so I think we really just have to wait and see what's going to happen with his situation, but I think he may end up being a guy that I just end up fading and will not be willing to spend the price that others will to get him. At number five, I have Ezekiel Elliott, and I just keep moving Zeke higher and higher up my rankings. I think a lot of people are too critical on him for his 2020 season. Was it good? No, he definitely busted, but you really gotta look at the circumstances that he was dealing with. He was on pace to have his best season ever in those first five weeks with Dak. Then Dak goes down, this offensive line suffers a ton of injuries, he suffers injuries, and then obviously his production is gonna go down, but all those things have been corrected. This offensive line is healthy. It's still not as dominant as it used to be, but it's still solid. You know, it can get the job done. Dak is back. Zeke is obviously healthy. So I really think he could step in and perform as a high-end running back one again, and you may be able to get him towards the end of the first round, which I think is terrific value. Alvin Kamara is up next here at number four. And I think there'd be a conversation for him to be, you know, in that top three with the McCaffreys, the Cooks, and the Henrys, but we just don't know what's going on with that quarterback situation. But until we figure that out, I don't feel confident putting him ahead of any of those guys. I truly expect him to feast no matter who they have at quarterback, but I think everyone probably agrees that Jameis Winston would be the best option for him. So if Jameis Winston is there, I think he's probably locked in here at this number four spot. If Taysom Hill ends up winning the job, I think there's some things we need to reconsider, but I really think Alvin Kamara is set up to be the number one or number two target in this offense, no matter who they have at quarterback. On to number three, I have Derrick Henry, the absolute beast. I'm expecting him to do similar things to what he's done in 2019 and 2020. I'm really not concerned about the whole 2,000 yard rushers, you know, suffer after that season. Derrick Henry is not human. He's a physical beast. He's never had injuries, only missed two games his entire career. So I'm not about to, you know, predict injury on him. And then you have Julio Jones coming in, and that really doesn't change how I feel about Derrick Henry. He may get, you know, 20 or 30 less carries on the season, but I think every carry is going to have more efficiency and more touchdown upside. And I honestly think that's ideal. You know, if you are concerned with how much work he's getting this year, he may actually see a decrease in his volume but I think they're gonna be more effective touches because this offense overall is gonna be improved. So Derrick Henry is a locked in high-end RB1 for me and is one of the most consistent players you're gonna find. Up next at number two, I have Dalvin Cook. Pretty solid here at the number two slot. Dalvin Cook, great in the run game, great in the receiving game, gets a ton of work in the red zone. 
is really the focal point of this Vikings offense. They run it through him. There's some nice weapons outside in Jefferson and Thielen to kind of balance this offense out. And Cook has proven the last two years he is one of the best fantasy running backs out there. And he's shed that injury-prone label. And so there's really nothing preventing me from going out and drafting Cook here at number two. All right, to wrap up these rankings at number one, I think I have most people's consensus number one running back here. It's Christian McCaffrey. I think if he's not your running back one, I think you're trying to get a little bit too cute because before last year where he only played in three games, he had never missed a game in the NFL. And I also think he was held out towards the end of the year because they weren't really in playoff contention. So they're like, what's the point in bringing him back? But when McCaffrey is on the field, he has a positional advantage that is so significant over any other running back. You know, Dalvin Cook could be having a great season, putting up 25 points per game in PPR. And then you look at McCaffrey and the guy can realistically average 30 points in a game. It's truly spectacular. And so he's a lock for me here at number one. I'll be taking him 100% of the time if I have the first selection. All right, that is going to wrap it up for my top 30 overall rankings. Thank you guys so much for stopping by and watching and listening. If you guys enjoyed the video, please just make sure you leave a like and subscribe to the channel. And then also let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you again, and I'll see you guys tomorrow.